You're listening to YYFM. Hi, I'm Natalie, one of the volunteers at YYFM. I recently spoke to Gareth Turner, Deputy Director for Kefili Borough Mind. We talked about his role within the organisation, funding they were awarded by the National Lottery, Mental Health Awareness Week, and how we can help reduce the stigma surrounding mental health. I started by asking him about what Mind is and what they do. Yeah, so Mind is the uh, we're known as the National Association for Mental Health. So nationally, Mind covers uh, England and Wales. Uh, look, uh, there's actually across England and Wales 140 or just over 140 local Mind associations. Uh, Mind as a national organisation has been running since 1946. Uh, we, we do a lot of campaigning, uh, a lot of awareness raising and standing up uh, for people's rights, I suppose. Uh, what Mind, you know, their mission, if you like, is to provide uh, advice and support to empower anybody experiencing a mental health problem. So we campaign to improve services, we raise awareness and promote understanding, as I said. And our vision really, I suppose, and something we stand quite strongly behind with Mind is that we say that we won't give up until everyone experiencing a mental health problem gets both support and respect. So that sort of gives, hopefully gives a bit of an idea of sort of how Mind, you know, operate on such a large scale, 140 local minds across England and Wales. Uh, but on a more local level, I mentioned those local mind associations and in Caerphilly Borough, we we're one of those. Uh, so each uh, local mind association is an autonomous charity in its own right. Uh, so we have our own board of trustees, we have our own set of rules and governance, etc. Working obviously to mind's quality standard. Um, but, you know, we were responsible for raising our own funds, that kind of stuff as well. Uh, so that's who mind are. We're, we're a mental health charity uh, based in most communities across uh, England and Wales, I suppose. In, in this area, we've been provided services for about 35 years, uh, probably the last 10 years of those as Caerphilly Borough Mind. Uh, but prior to that, 25 years before that, we were delivering a service and um, we were called Rumley Valley Mind. And can you tell me a bit about um, how you got involved with Mind and about your role? Yeah, so my role currently, uh, current title, I suppose, is Deputy Director for the organisation. Uh, but I've worked through all sorts of various roles over the years. You know, I've been, I've been with Mind for about 11 years. I've been at Caerphilly Mind for about 11 years. Uh, lots and lots of different roles. And just, as you said in the question, uh, how did I get involved? I started as a volunteer for the organisation, actually, way back in those uh, early days. I started volunteering for the organisation, uh, a lot of support work, and was fortunate enough, I suppose, to be there at a time when the organisation managed to secure some funding for some paid positions, and I managed to secure one of those positions. So right from those early days, I was employed as a support worker for the organisation. More recently, the last sort of four or five years, I would say, my role has involved a lot of uh, training. So uh, I'm a trainer for the organisation, as well as uh, part of the national training team for MIND. So I've travelled extensively across uh, the UK and Ireland, uh, delivering workplace training. So raising awareness and doing what we can to reduce the stigma within the workplace. So yeah, that's sort of my role, quite varied. Varied again, I suppose, quite a bit since uh, since the start of the pandemic and lockdown. Things have changed dramatically there. Obviously, no, no more travelling around the country. Can you tell us a bit about the services that MIND offer? Yeah, 
So, as I say, as a, a national organisation, very broad range of, uh, of services, and each local mind association will offer uh, different services, obviously, mainly down to uh, the funding that we've managed to attract. But at Caffili Mind, Caffili Borough Mind, uh, services we offer. So we offer a counselling service. Uh, we also offer what we call a wellbeing support services, as well as a relatively new project or a new um, yeah, new project, I suppose, tool that we can use, active monitoring. So we've been running that for, for about a year now, uh, all, all you know, sort of developed and delivered with, within lockdown for us as an organisation. And that, that's a, that active monitoring service is run across Wales. Uh, so Mind Cymru sort of look after that. And there are many local mind associations delivering active monitoring. We are one of those. We also offer a tenancy support service. So working with people to you know to kind of look after the tenancy right through from sort of homelessness to supporting um, you know people's housing needs I suppose, and also we run as as I mentioned you know part of my role is is to deliver training uh, and awareness raising. So whether that be like I say within the workplace or within the community, uh, the, the wider community I suppose. I believe you were awarded some funding at the start of April from the National Lottery. So I was just wondering if you could tell us kind of how that came about, what it's going to be used for and how important funding like that is to a charity like Mind. Okay, yeah. So first and foremost, I guess, import, how important is it to a charity like Mind? Massively important uh, to an organisation, I guess. We're quite a small organisation in Caffili, um, growing all the time. I certainly think we punch above our weight, um, but definitely, you know, uh, funding like that is massively important to us. You asked how it came about, and yeah, absolutely. We were looking to sort of, I suppose we were looking to address a gap in provision, I suppose, you know, a gap that we'd sort of seen. For those people, I suppose, who were looking to improve and maintain their well-being. So sort of uh, almost being able to put in place preventative measures for some people. You know, so people who are perhaps still at work, for example, but hoping to maintain that. You know, so that we recognise this gap in provision and we look for that. Uh, we, we look for funding to be able to address that. So, yeah, it is a three-year uh, funding stream. So that's why I say, you know, it's massively important to organisations like us you know, to get to get a three-year guaranteed funding, if you like, um, is huge. You know, it, it allows us, it gives us that bit of stability, if you like, a bit of security. I mean, first and foremost, for the, for the project, but also as an organisation going forward. You know, brings in that stability, that security. We can really sort of make plans and and, and grow things from that. As as a, as a small organisation, and I'm sure you know any small charity charitable organisations will tell you, you know, we're often sort of operating sort of year to year. So we may find a bit of funding to run a project for a year or even less than that. You know, six months, even quarterly. Sometimes we're operating. So to be able to get something that sort of said, this is this for three years, um, you know that's huge for us I suppose and what it's allowed us to do you know is we've been able to employ a full-time counsellor to provide you know full-time counselling service we've been able to employ two uh, well-being workers to support people to access the services that are available at mind as well as external uh, support that they may need we've been able to employ an active monitoring practitioner so that service that I mentioned earlier the active monitoring We've been able to employ practitioners of that, as well as you know the, the trainer role is is kind of covered within that, to allow us to engage with the wider community, 
to be able to raise awareness and do what we can to chip away at stigma, you know, within within our communities. The other thing has allowed us to do to sort of coordinate all of that much more effectively is we've been able to employ a project manager. So the project is called My Whole Life. And really, there's, you know, the idea of it is to, to, to sort of work with people to encompass their whole life, to be able to access the many strands, if you like, of support they need, whether that's, you know, the, the services I've just mentioned that we, we provide in-house or actually being able to access external support as well. And we've even managed as part of the funding stream, you know, it's kind of written into, into the, the funding that we're working with another organization, another local organization, Growing Space. Uh, and we're able to link in with those to provide more opportunities for people as well. So, yeah, you know, that's that's sort of uh, what that funding is all about, is to fund the my whole, our new My Whole Life project. I know you mentioned before about how you haven't been able to travel for work because of the pandemic. So I was just wondering what effect coronavirus has had on the charity, if any. I mean, as you said, my role particularly has been impacted there and that role in itself uh, can provide a bit a funding stream you know that delivery of, of training within the workplace so that's kind of obviously that changed overnight uh, starting to come back starting to creep back you know like I say there is the remote delivery so it's not a, a total loss um, but I think what you know let me say what what is the effect has the pandemic coronavirus had on us as a charity um, I think it's certainly well overnight really uh, all services moved to remote delivery you know we, we had to stop the the face-to-face -face work that we were doing much like you know as everybody else but i would say that that, that was that was very successful actually that move across to remote delivery whether that be using you know telephone or teams or zooms or zoom or whatever it is you know we, we needed to use has been very successful we've managed to keep all services running you know, the counselling is still being able to happen, the active monitoring, etc. So the services have, have kept running. I would say, if anything, uh, it's probably more streamlined, actually. You know, I think it was very much a learning curve for us. You know, and in some ways positive. So, you know, I think we're more streamlined. It's changed the way we've worked, obviously. But I think we're now, I certainly feel as an organisation, uh, very much more more up to date, more modern in the way that we've kind of looked at our IT systems, that kind of stuff, and how we can streamline that and how we can best use what we've got available to us, you know, for, and I, I say, I think it's allowed us to be more streamlined. And I think, to be honest, you know, what, what effect has it had to the charity? I think going forward in the future, you know, once we're able to kind of look back on this period, I think, you know, and I think we will continue uh, with a lot of the remote services, the remote delivery that we've we've engaged with, I think we'll probably be looking more for that. that lots of people are describing as that blended approach. You know, so I think there will be, uh, you know, there will be, there will always be a need for you know face-to-face -face delivery of services. There will be people who much benefit from that much more, but actually we've realised we can be more efficient if we can keep some of the remote delivery stuff in as well, and I think. One of the other impacts it's had on us as, as a charity, I suppose, or an impact that we've noticed, I suppose. Sort of seen a, a change in, in our clients, if you like, you know, the people who are accessing our services. You know, so maybe now we're seeing more people who are 
having time off work for, for obvious reasons, you know, people who, who are time off work at the moment, who are more able now to access our services than maybe they were. You know, we're also speaking to more people, I guess, talking more at the moment about subjects such as loneliness. And so people who are, because of, you know, social distancing and not being able to see their friends, families, loved ones, etc., who are now spending more time on their own. So we're getting more calls, I guess, about loneliness, but not, I think, a, a, a huge increase in, in numbers, though. You know, client seems, a client, the people who are accessing has changed slightly, the dynamic, I guess, there, uh, but not a huge change in numbers is not, you know, we're not reporting that at the moment or haven't done for the last year. Do you think people maybe aren't aware of the help that is there if they do need it? Um. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think we're getting better all the time at you know raising awareness of of services that are available. The help is out there, but no, absolutely. I think you know when we talk about you know the, the stigma, I think historically that stopped people from talking about uh, mental health, and I think that stopped people from learning about what help is out there. But I think we're getting better at it. We certainly work hard as an organisation to raise awareness of of the support that we offer, as well as this, you know, the support that's available just generally, you know, within the community or nationally. You mentioned about the stigma around mental health then, which can obviously stop a lot of people from seeking the help that they need. Why do you think that mental health is not treated with the same regard as physical health? So yeah, absolutely, it's a good question. I think that there still is that you know that stigma that I mentioned. There's still, there's still, unfortunately, there still is a stigma that surrounds this subject of mental health that I think really stops people from from seeking the help that they need. Whether that be because you know they're embarrassed to ask for help, whether they feel that you know that stigma brings about a feeling of shame that they're not coping as as well as maybe they have before, or as as well as they see other people perhaps you know, they they think other people are coping. So there is still this stigma that I think holds people back from talking. I genuinely believe things are getting better. You know, I think we are getting better that we are chipping away at this stigma. I mean, it's a it's it's a conversation. It's a phrase that I use a lot in my work, and it's, it's I talk a lot about normalizing these conversations. And I think we are getting better at it. I think if the way we've lived for the last year, whether, whether you know whether you look at whatever media outlook, whether that be radio, TV, stuff online, you know, more and more we're taught we're hearing about mental health and the impact on people's mental health. We're hearing about that more and more all the time, and and that you know that will filter through as chipping away at the stigma, because we are the more we hear about, it, the more we're able to normalize these conversations. But you know, I think. The fact that it's described so many uh, as an invisible illness, you know, and I think couple that with the, the lack of awareness and the lack of understanding, I think can often leave lots of people not recognising in some cases that, that they need help uh, and therefore not recognise, you know, not seeking that help, I suppose. If there's that, you know, if there's a physical health issue, uh, people often know the route they need to take to address that and that's not always the case with, with the mental health issue. Yeah and do you think we kind of have to start from the ground up so teaching kids about mental health in school so that they can be aware of it for themselves and notice it in themselves and also in other people because I know from personal experience when I was in school 
that was never a conversation. It wasn't something we were aware of. Whereas now it's obviously more widely spoken about. So do you think that's where we have to begin? Absolutely, yeah. And, and I, I find myself having this conversation a lot, certainly when I deliver training within the workplace, you know, um, it's something I, I phrase it very similarly to, to you in that sense that, yeah, when I was when I was a kid, um, yeah, mental health wasn't something we ever talked about at school, at home, anywhere. To be, it just wasn't one of those subjects that was, that was talked about at all. And, you know, like I've already said, I think things are getting better. And I think that is one of the things that is improving and it's vitally important that we improve is that our young people these days are learning you know, at school or, or wherever that, that, you know, they're learning about mental health. They, you know, I've got kids myself that are more grown up now, but I remember that, you know, having conversations with them about stuff they'd learned at school about, you know, being aware of emotions and, and their feelings and, you know, behaviors and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, maybe it's not dressed up as mental health awareness, but that's kind of what it is. You know, I think, you know, all kids are learning this stuff at school, learning more about this stuff at school now. And the more that we, you know, the more that our, young people generations coming forward are aware of mental health the more they're comfortable talking about feelings emotions that kind of stuff the the, the closer we're getting that the, the more we're normalizing these conversations i guess i do think we're getting there slowly but surely yeah 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 it's a phrase i use so often with mental health yeah how do you think people can better support mental health charities okay yeah so supporting uh, mental health very much dependent i suppose on the charity you know we're, we're all you know very different in the way that we deliver you know even just across mind as i said 140 autonomous charities who all work in a variation of a theme but very very differently in many cases so it's very much dependent on the charity so for some organizations you know, how can people support them best that that could be uh, financially so whether that be you know some kind of sponsored or fundraising event, that kind of stuff, you know, and, and whether you can support your local charity that way so they're in a better position to provide those services to, you know, make sure those services are paid for. So that could be one way of supporting, but other charities may be not so much in need of that. Maybe they've managed to secure funding streams, etc. You know, another way of supporting a mental health charity could be uh, potentially, you know, providing your time. You know, maybe volunteering and helping out. You know, I look at our our organisation, uh, you know, Caffili Borough Mind, and over the years that I've worked there, you know, certainly there have been t periods of time where, if it wasn't for the volunteers who were, you know, kindly donating their time, I suppose, to us as an organisation, the services that we've run over the years couldn't have run. You know, they were delivered by volunteers. And I'm talking about, you know, a very wide range of services, whether that be through from you know, sort of activity, day to day activities. You know, so people can come along and, you know, occupy their you know, meaningful, uh, you know, meaningful occupation of their time. You know, access in activity groups right through to, you know, volunteers who are qualified counsellors, if you like, or working towards qualifications in some cases, but actually able to provide a, a, a counsellor, a therapeutic service. Uh, for people so yeah very much dependent on the on the organization i suppose but there's plenty you can do up there and my advice to anybody that wants to support better support their local mental health charity is is get in touch with them and you know, ask what it is that you can do ask what kind of help they need 
So with it being Mental Health Awareness Week from the 10th to the 16th of May, I was wondering whether you do anything in particular to kind of mark this occasion, this time in the year, because obviously mental health awareness is something that needs to be ongoing every day. But how important is it to have a specific time in the year to raise a lot of awareness? I, th- I think it is important to have that specific period of time. Like you said, for us and organisations like us, you know, but uh, certainly for Philemon, it's Mental Health Awareness Week every week. You know, we do whatever we can, whenever we can, to raise awareness, reduce stigma, that kind of stuff, absolutely. But I think if you have these specific periods of time where there's a there's a drive, if you like, through national, international, through media, to do what we can to raise awareness, to start to normalize these, you know, I keep using this phrase, but it's, for me, it's such an important one. You know, we, to, what we can to normalize these, these conversations. So we get sort of a, a joined up approach, if you like, where it's being talked about a lot. Everybody's talking about it, you know, so we, on TV, radio, that it, mental health is being talked about. So you get a period of time um, where it's kind of at, at the forefront. So my final question for you is, what advice would you give to someone who is struggling with their mental health? Okay, yeah. So for me, um, one word sums it up as a talk. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of this work around awareness raising. And yeah, my advice is, you know, well, advice that I give is a talk. Tell somebody about how you're feeling. You know, whether that be speaking to your GP, whether it be speaking to another health professional, bringing an organisation such as Mind, you know, whether, whether you ring... Uh, a local or a national helpline, or even a fr- you know a friend or a family member, but you know tell somebody. My advice is oh, don't keep it to yourself. Don't bottle it up. You know, really telling somebody how you feel can often be the hardest step, if you like that first step. Telling somebody how you feel, but it, it, what it can do and what it should do, really, is kind of open doors for you. Then you know to to get some help to deal with how you're feeling. Whether that be through accessing, you know, you know, groups, one-to-one sessions that can help you perhaps learn some coping strategies, some coping techniques, or whether that be, you know, if medication is is what's required, you know, just making sure that you get that help that you need. So yeah, my advice comes back to that one word: just talk. Getting past that that stigma, that taboo that we've already talked about, whether and for some people that stigma is internal as well. You know, you don't want to see people worry they can, you know, they'd be seen as weak. They, they may even see themselves as weak, but it's getting past that, you know, because that's not what it is. You know, we all have feelings, we all have emotions, and we all struggle with them from time to time. Just not being embarrassed of them. And, you know, if you're really struggling and need some help, don't be afraid to ask for it. Yeah, definitely. We would do it for a physical health issue. So why not mental health? Diolch am rando i YYFM am fwy o gynnwys fel hyn i ddiliniad lein ac i ar y ni wybod beth hoffech chi glywed nesaf ewch i it's yyfm.com Thanks for listening to YYFM For more content like this to follow us online and to tell us what you want to hear more of visit it'syyfm.com <laughs>